Welcome to Frustration Nation, presented by Shoot Your Shot Sports. We are the FN Podcast for FN fans of FN sports teams. Every episode, we explore the heartbreak, horror, and humiliation of what it means to be a diehard fan. I'm your pessimistic host and Detroit fan, the man in the Michigan hat, and I'm here with my miserable co-host and Chicago fan, Furious George. Furious What's going on today? Well, we just crossed our 50th episode last week, and that was super exciting. Su- something different that we kind of did on that episode. Um, but uh, we've kind of evaluated where we're at as a show and things we want to be doing moving forward. And so uh, there's going to be some changes, and maybe there are changes that will be off-putting at first, but I think you guys will like the changes in the long run. Uh, so, <clears throat> the first thing is that you will notice is that a lot of our music for our segments we've decided to cut out. Um, just being totally vulnerable and honest here, um, the man in the Michigan hat and I have just our lives have gotten a lot busier lately, especially with me with school and full swing, um, and all the extra music is frankly just a lot more editing than our schedules are able to handle. Uh, so cutting that out, I think, will help us in terms of i guess honestly our mental health and as well as our sleeping health and our uh time management all that stuff uh it'll make it all easier and when we're happy and healthy so will the show be uh so that's the first probably the biggest thing you'll notice um that'll change and that's going to change right away on this episode so you heard our opening music like usual um, but there's no more music from here on out until the closing music that we always have. Um, the next thing is that our main topics, uh, we brainstormed around episode 25, so about halfway through where we're at now, of how we could make the main topic more interesting. And we decided to do the whole five-minute major, two-minute warning, 24-second shot clocks, and, and overtime. But we've also decided that we wanted to focus on more news topics especially now that you have pretty much every sport in full swing right now Mm -hmm. and man michigan hat and i are so both so passionate about our football teams as well there's always a lot to talk about even if it was just football on um so we want to give fair light uh and fair time to all of these sports and all the topics that there are so we decided to do more of just a normal main topic segment uh we still are going to keep it timed so that we're not rambling for like an hour like we did when we were talking about the last dance back in June. Um, so yeah, that's the other major change. Uh, and the last thing that is uh, really, a, I guess this is probably the biggest change that we're going to be experiencing. Uh, this will this will not start until next week's episode on Tuesday. But we are going to be providing both a video format as well as this audio format for you for the show. So... One is the video format. Uh, it will be uploaded uh, on Tuesday. I'm not exactly certain on the time. Um, our quote-unquote podcast boss, Richie, will be producing the 
video version of the show and i i haven't yet nailed down a time with him of when that will be released but that will be released at some point on tuesday uh also on tuesday the audio version of our podcast so you're listening to that now if you always liked listening to that and you're somebody that listens to it when you're doing chores or working out or on your commute or whatever it is you will continue to be able to listen to that because it'll still be uploaded Mm -hmm. um but we're really excited about the video for uh format it's going to be a little bit more like a uh kind of like a sports espn sports center not a sponsor looking uh looking format where uh you have the man in michigan hat and i as our the the speakers if you will are the people that are presenting the information and we'll have off to the side or underneath us somewhere a graphic that's kind of going through all the different topics we'll be covering and part of the benefit of that is just that if let's say you're somebody that wants to focus on certain topics or let's say you like a certain segment that we do but you don't care about what we say at other parts of the show you'll be able to skip forward to certain parts that you know are coming up because you see them on the outline of what's going on in the show so it's a lot of things changing but i think it'll be really good uh it'll be an opportunity for you to see us more frankly naturally because the editing is going to go down um you're going to see i i think you're going to hear more interesting sports conversation and i think you're going to hear more genuinely about uh our friendship and our humor together instead of um some of our skits that i guess are admittedly just a little more forced maybe than natural so that's kind of the shift we're taking in this show after 50 episodes so uh we're not throwing anything out we're we're keeping most of our segments uh and even the segments that we do stop doing um we're gonna keep them as an idea in the back of our head and you never know we might feel like we're able to pull bring them back at some point mm-hmm. um yeah so that is a very long transition of what's going on uh but without further ado it's time that we get into our vent sesh so i'm gonna start because yep. i have a lot to say Do uh it. and i am just i am so done with bear with bears fans I said, as a Bears fan myself, I'm wearing a Bears hat. I wore a Bears jersey all day Sunday, even well after the game, to the point where it just smelled like bo. Like I was, I I was, I'm I'm a diehard Bears fan. Yeah, and I I get sick to my freaking stomach when I hear other fans who claim to be diehards who are being just so incredibly critical about a two and O start. So, but I have a lot to say mm-hmm. before I totally jump into what I want to say here. I want to first read a thread that I had on our Twitter. So uh, if you want to read it for yourself um, and the other comments that are there, you can go to at real FN podcast on Twitter, or you can go to my Twitter, which is uh, at K E George 94. So I'm going to start by reading that on there. And then from there, I'll kind of go off into my other <laughs> tangents. So, <laughs> Well, this is what I said. I said, I am so freaking tired of people discrediting the Bears 2-0 and start. You know what? I don't care how they looked or who they played. People predicted the Giants at 6-10 and or 7-9. and The Lions were predicted by some to be first or second in the division. The Bears were predicted to be 3-13. and 
Most people I saw had the Lions winning last week's game. It was about split for Bears-Giants. So don't you dare tell me that the Bears' wins weren't a big deal because they only played the Giants and the Lions. You play who you play, and the Bears can't help that. If that's the case, then the Patriots were never really that good because every season they had six games against the Dolphins, Jets, and Bills. Where it sits, the Bears are 2-0, and which is the top third in the NFL in records. Did anyone really think we'd be here with Trubisky at QB? I'm a Trubisky truther, quote-unquote, and even I anticipated a 1-1 one one start at best. Whether you like it or not, whether you think the Bears are good or not, whether you think they are contenders or pretenders, the reality is the Bears are exceeding expectations so far. So yes, 3-13 and is still technically in the cards, but quite unlikely with a 2-0 start. Bears haven't been 2-0 since 2013. Trubisky, according to many, is still making improvements compared to last year. The run game looks better. The defense is third in points per game. So shut up and take the effing W. All right. So I am just that. That's what I said. Then I have to get into uh, kind of this beef I have. Uh, so if you listen to our episode where we had the NFC North preview and we had MJ Hurley at MJ Hurley forty seven on Twitter, and uh, we had oh. Preach Kev Preach. Uh, yeah, at Preach Kev Preach on Twitter uh, for the Vikings. Uh, MJ responded to probably not a good move on his part, but he responded <laughs> to my thread, and this is what he said. He said, hold up. Who had the Lions at first or second in the division? Yeah, y'all are 2-0, and but uh, beating two predicted and future losing teams isn't exactly predictive of a trip to the promised land. Uh, then he said, uh, but for real, I have the Bears around 8-8 eight and eight this year. I think you'll walk into the first Packers game at 5-5. Five and five. Your beginning schedule is easy, but weeks 4-11 through 11 outside of the Panthers will be very rough. Lots of questions for both sides of the ball for me. So then I responded with a graphic that I found that has the, the quote-unquote experts, Jason LaCanfora, Pete Presco, Will Brinson, Ryan Wilson, John Breach, Jared Dubin, and Jonathan Jones and their division predictions. And there are – saying most was hyperbole, but there were multiple of them that had the Lions either at second or first, mm -hmm. and all of them had the Lions better than the Bears. Every single one of them had the Bears last at the very bottom of the division. Yep. And so then I said, okay, so maybe most was hyperbole, but still the Bears are exceeding expectations. So then – uh, I also said, I didn't say the Bears have a ticket to the promised land. I'm just trying to tell Bears fans to shut up and take the W. A win is a win, no matter how hard or ugly they come. The Bears have beaten two teams that I personally believe they should beat, but experts thought they shouldn't. And then MJ said, oh, they definitely should have won. My concern would be that those should have been convincing wins and that they were too close for comfort, but I don't have to tell you that. And then I said, so was the Patriots-Rams Super Bowl. But as far as I know, Boston fans weren't ragging on how dead the offense looked or whatever Bears fans say. They were just celebrating the W. That's what I'm saying Bears fans need to do. Bears are 2-0 and for the first time since 2013. Just be happy. Um, so then moving forward, uh, MJ said, going back to the division predictions, he said, I had... Packers at 10 to 11 wins, Vikings 8 to 9 wins, Bears 7 to 8 wins, Vi uh, Lions 5 to 6 wins. 
Then he said, anyone who had the lines above third is insane. Uh, then I said, many experts are not sane. And I said, unfortunately for you, MJ, whether you like it or not, the Bears are in the same position as the Packers. Sure, one has a brighter future than the other, but the position is the same. Mm-hmm. That being said, I have both the Bears and Packers losing next week. And then MJ said, same, Saints will be a rough game, and the Falcons' offense will be a first true test for the Bears' defense. Both could be huge wins, but just be happy that our NFC North friends are 0-2. Uh, and then I brought in <laughs> I brought in Man in the Michigan hat and uh, Pastor Kevy Kev into the discussion. I said, yeah, maybe they can have a similar argument about who is the best sweller, a seller dweller. Um, That's actually so a good debate. <laughs> but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Then MJ brought up, hey, they're both in the Trevor Lawrence contention. Uh, And I said, Lawrence will be another QB like Stafford for the Lions to waste. Um, Yeah. Uh, So then off of that, um, Pastor Kevy Kev said, he who laughed last, laughed last. And he said, I don't know whether I have to do anything, but still. And then I said, I said, Mitch is 4-0 against the Vikings under Nagy, just saying. Then he said, 3-0. Y'all almost lost to backups week 17. You really want to count that? Ha ha. And then I said, if you're not going to count that, then just don't count the Lions wins at all for any team. Because other than Stafford, that team is full of backups, LOL. Basically, yeah. <laughs> so that is the thread. That is the commentary that went along with the thread. You can tell I'm on fire about this stuff. Yeah. I, I am... I'm just I, I guess a lot of it was laid out there. I'm sick of Bears fans, and it's I understand criticism from other people. I do. Bears fans is where it bothers me. It's like yeah. you are upset about your own team being two and zero. Like yeah, there's a lot of things they need to fix. Should the Bears have scored way more than seventeen against the Giants? Should they have done more in the second half of the game? Absolutely. Should Trubisky have been better? Yeah. Should the defense have been better? Yes. Should the coaching have been better? Also, yes. I can mm-hmm. agree with all those things, but still celebrate the fact that you're two and zero. Meanwhile, everybody mm-hmm. else is dragging their feet in the mud. They're, it, it's hard to even celebrate this. They feel like they're acting like the Bears are off to this horrible start, when in reality the Bears haven't lost a game yet. And I'm just telling you, I don't care who you are playing. A win is a win. And in the NFL – they, people, it, it's kind of a cliche in the NFL, but winning in the NFL is hard, and you've won two in a row. It's the best start you've had since in seven years. So, mm-hmm. please just be quiet and take it. This is a little bit of a separate vent session I'm about to get into right now, but I just also want to tell everybody who's been like, "Oh, the Bears traded for Nick Foles. They could have had Cam Newton." I want all of you people to shove it because listen, here's the deal. Full, listen, nobody. It's not just the Bears that probably should have signed Cam Newton. You have pretty much a majority of the league that probably should have signed Cam Newton. Mm -hmm. But you know what? The Bears took Foles because they knew he was familiar with the system. And also, if I'm being honest, they wanted Trubisky to win the competition, and Trubisky won. And that's the fact of the matter. You can can, uh, slob all over Cam Newton's knob all you want, but... Here's what I'm going to tell you. Cam Newton is 1-1 and and Trubisky is 2-0. and So take that, take that, shove it somewhere where the sun doesn't shine. <laughs> what is your offense, Sash, man, in the Michigan hat? So for mine, I agree with like pretty much everything you said there. Um, this All right, is gonna cool. Be, this On to our main topics. <laughs> right. This is going to be more so playing devil's advocate, devil's avocados. Um, and 
just kind of not a word of caution. I do think Bears fans can celebrate their 2-0 start. Uh, it's not mutually exclusive. You don't have to either be excited and unrealistic or angry and pessimistic. Like, you can be excited and still, like you said, realize that there's things to work on and things that could have looked better and still be happy with 2-0 start. One thing I would say, though, is I saw last year, and this is different because it's college football, not the NFL, but Michigan football last year started the season 2-0. and And we looked rough in those two games. First game, our defense showed a lot of signs of weaknesses, but we ended up winning that game against a team we were supposed to beat. Second game against Army goes to like triple overtime, sweated out a win that we should have easily won. Um, So yeah, we were 2-0 and I had a lot of fans saying, yeah, win is a win. And even more so in college football, like, where a two and O start is a much bigger percentage of your games than sixteen games. A two and O start is really significant for college football, but we showed a lot of signs of areas that needed improvement, and ultimately those were the same areas that in other games ended up costing us wins. So, like you said, there's you can celebrate two and O, and you should celebrate two and O, and you should hope that the team improves, improves everyone wrong, and you're in exactly the right place to be able to do that. But I do also understand people who critique a team who is two and zero because kind of like another example, the Packers last year, thirteen and three, and you d- you don't take anything away from that. Thirteen wins is tough in the NFL, but everybody kind of agreed they were like the weakest thirteen win team ever. And uh, so I mean, a win is a win, but the way you win and the way you lose does say something about what you expect from a team. Um, so that's, I guess my only rebuttal is like, s- same with the Packers, like wins are wins, but you can tell even from wins, you can see s- good and bad signs, obviously. Um, and not to say that that can't be turned around. And obviously it's a lot better to have this debate and conversation when you're two and O versus when you're one and one or O and two. Um, but I do think there are real reasons to, I wouldn't say be concerned, but if I was a bears fan, I would be on the side of celebrate the 2-0 start, but also expect better and expect more. Um, All right. Well, in response to that, what I'm going to say is, one, and I know I've already admitted I'm a Trubisky truther on the show. In Mm. fact, here's a a quick plug. Go to (laughs) shop.shootyourshopsports.com. You can buy a new shirt that I designed called It's Bisky Season. Hashtag It's Bisky Season. I want to get that trending. It is Trubisky Season. And listen, he has shown – a lot of improvements. I, I'm somebody. I, I feel like I'm a rare breed among Bears fans. I'm excited about two and I do see some things that need to be fixed, but I'm actually more hopeful than anything else. Yeah. Mo- like, I, I'm actually looking forward every week to Trubisky's starts. Most people are like nervous wrecks when he takes the ball. I am always excited to see him play because I'm always ready for him to. I guess exceed the expectations that people have set for him at this point. Mm. And I really feel like he like this past game against the Giants and I'll get into the Giants game here in a little bit yeah. was really I feel like he did I feel like he played pretty well. Um and I yeah, he had two touchdowns, two interceptions, that doesn't look as great, 
Um, I'll get more into why I think he played well in the Giants game, but I feel like he's been showing a lot of improvement this year. I know you beat the Giants and the Lions, but you still win. And the other thing I want to say in response to what you're saying, mm-hmm. I did think about the Packers thing, and I guess that is the nearest com- comparison to what I have right now to the Bears. It's still at this point in the season, it's just hard to compare because the Bears are 2-0 and compared to 13-3. and right. So you have a whole season's worth to compare it yeah. off of a Bears 2-0 and start. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, not only are you two and zero, and even though it looked ugly against these teams, you know what? Every single team, including yourself, had a really weird off season. There was no, there's not really a normal camp. There was not normal preseason games. Everything that's normally normal for football is yeah. off. And the fact that you're one of only the top three, only the top third of the teams in in the league mm-hmm. that are able to come out undefeated from the t- first two weeks of football that is a big deal true because true. every i know every team had to deal with that but the fact that you're in the top third of those teams that that you know comes with that outcome mm-hmm. that is a big deal in and of itself and so it's just a different circumstance than the packers season because um, the packers had a normal season and had this 13 and 3 season um I know a lot of people were critical of, and even I, I've been critical of, to be honest. Um, but I think I think maybe looking back on the season, we'll see that with the Bears. Um, but right now, I feel like it's hard to judge that. The For last sure. thing yeah. I also want to respond to is you mentioned Michigan being 2-0, and even though they were ugly games. And you said 2-0 matters almost more so in college because of the percentage of games that that takes up of your schedule. And while I agree with you with that, the where I hold issue is how co- college works with, with the rankings. Now, if Michigan, if their only goal year in and year out was to make a bowl game, mm-hmm. then yeah, the wins, I guess, are all that matters. But you know as well as I do that Michigan, when they're ranked in the top 15 every year, their goal is to make it to the playoff. And right. the only way to move up in the rankings and to be in that top four is to not just win, but to win convincingly, to blow out teams. Yeah. And so when you go to three overtimes with with Army, that is going to really hurt your ranking status. True, uh, for or sure. Or it, it could hurt it Yeah. more so than in the NFL. And I say that even more, even greater for the Bears because this season is the first season now they have an expanded playoff. There's mm-hmm. a third wild card team that's going to be in there. And so you start 2 and 0. I was already hearing today that normally even without the extra playoff position, normally 2 and 0 starts, you have like a 65% chance of making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. If the Bears go to 3 and 0, now when you add that extra playoff spot, the Bears playoff likelihood goes from like 65 up to like 80 percent yeah like if you start three and oh and you have that that third wild card spot you could make the bears have a very good chance to land that spot mm-hmm. and so basically what i'm saying this year more than ever starting two and oh is huge because one every team had this weird off season somebody needed to come out and win and you did it second of all um you have a really hard schedule after these first four games. Yep. So however you get those wins in those first four games is all that matters. If the Bears come out of these first four, three and one, I will be ecstatic. Mm-hmm. If they come out four and oh, I'll be even more ecstatic. Um, and then the last piece is because there's that extra playoff spot. It 
it doesn't it literally doesn't matter any win is a win and i feel like that cliche just is more applicable in the nfl than in college sports at least when you're talking about ranked teams mm-hmm. um i don't know that's just my perspective but i'll yeah, give yeah. you one more chance to respond here no for sure and i do think when you look at it like as far as making the postseason for the nfl it literally is a win is a win because your postseason your chance to make the postseason is literally all mathematical it doesn't matter how good you look it's your record and your winning percentage you know like where like what you said with college football you actually do have to look good because you're depending on human voters you know it's right. not just a mathematical thing i guess my thought wasn't so much a win as a win isn't true when it comes to making the postseason because that's literally true there's no way to argue against that but when it comes to fans and analysts and the way they feel about a team that's something where i do think it you can't just say a win is a win yeah, which your it. your approach is more so playoff percentage and your likelihood to make the postseason which that yeah it's impossible to argue against that a win is definitely just a win um and even if you're looking at it from a perception standpoint obviously you'll you would much rather critique your team after a win where you think you could have looked better than a loss where you could have looked better um but yeah when you i guess as analysts and as fans at this point because we have such a short body of work to look at um all the talk is just going to be about what do I think is going to happen the rest of the way. And so when you look at it that way, that's where you have to consider, even though they lost or even though they won, how did they look? Um, So from a odds to make the postseason, a win is a win. When you look at predicting what happens in future games, that's where I think you have to look at uh, how each aspect of the team looked in those games. And that's where I would be um, more understanding for people who are critical, I guess. Well, if, if the experts want to continue to predict and be critical, all I can say is they've been very wrong so far with how the season has shook it out for the Bears. So, oh, and that should definitely be like, as a Bears team, you can even use that for fuel. And as Bears fans, yeah, root for experts to be wrong. You know, yeah. I mean, they might have real concerns or critiques after the 2-0 start. Yep. But if you go to 3-0, and 3-1, and 4-0, if you go into this rough stretch and win games that they also didn't think you were going to win, then you prove them wrong, you know? And I mean, we'll find out as the season goes on. I can understand why people would be concerned, but I can also understand why Bears fans would just say, hey, just wait and see, you know? So at this point, it's all just, um, it's an interesting debate, I guess, as far as if a win is a win, it depends what you mean by that. Uh, So I I get what you're saying though, yeah. Well, let's go ahead and get into our main topic, uh, which uh, is continuing to talk about the NFL and a win is a win and that's something that the Lions do not have yet this season. So <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> you want to tell us about I I did not watch really any yeah. of this. I did not even see highlights Don't other than bother. I think maybe a I think I saw a Packers touchdown throw and like okay. a replay. But other than that I didn't see anything from this game. All I know is that Aaron Jones got me a ton of points on fantasy. So, oh you had him starting? I had uh, him on one of my teams. Sec- I don't remember. Which one. Okay. Yeah. So tell me good... Yeah, tell me about this this game. So, well, the Lions made history in this game because they're, wow. the first, they're the first team to ever lose four games in a row in which they held double-digit leads. So that was exciting. It's impressive. Um, yeah, for all the wrong reasons. And we were up 14-3 in this game at one point. I don't know if the th- first quarter was over or if uh, maybe the Packers scored again before the end of the first. I don't know. But we were up 14-3 early. And immediately Lions fans start posting like sarcastic Twitter memes. Oh, there's no way we can blow this 14-3 lead, right? 
because everyone knew what was going to happen. Everyone knew. Um, I started to be hopeful. Yeah, you did. Just you, like you were texting me. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't to the point where I was like, "This is a lot. Game is over." See, I wasn't realistically at that point, but I was very excited when I saw what looked like a Packers defense that could not stop the Lions' offense for several drives, like not just big explosive plays occasionally, like every single play, six, seven, eight yard gains, wow. ten yard, twenty yard gains. Like their defense had no answers. So I w- I want to interrupt real quick. Yeah, because. Now, the Bears don't play the Packers until week 12, which is crazy, but I want to yeah. hear what worked against the Packers' defense. Everything early. <laughs> Running, <laughs> passing, crossing routes, out routes, like deep balls, tight ends, running, catching out of the backfield. Everything was working. Huh. Um, and so early on, I was like, so the Vikings, de- Vikings offense, which I, especially after week two, don't feel very <laughs> – I don't, I'm not very high on, I was like, okay, if the Vikings are as bad as they look right now and they put up that many points against the Packers, we're torching the Packers defense right now. Maybe the Packers defense really is really bad. And I do think there's still concerns there. If you're a Packers fan, kind of going back to that conversation of, yeah, Packers are two and oh, but I think they should be concerned, uh, with how their defense looked. Um, but what it came down to in my mind is coaching. I mean, there's other issues there with, um, we were depleted in the secondary. We ended up having yeah. rookie Okuda ended up matching matched up against Adams way too many times. He allowed nine completions on ten throws at him. I think he had like the worst uh, PFF or whatever rating for yeah. a defensive player in the league. I think like it's a tough spot to put a rookie defender making his first start lined up against Adams. Uh, like. <laughs> that's a recipe for disaster. So uh, there were things like that that contributed, but when you see, and not just this game, double digit, double digit leads, multiple games, and then we collapse that points to coaching and adjustments. Other teams are adjusting on offense and defense. And you're not like, it's as simple as that. You get up that big because you have talent on offense, even our defense, like, with all the injuries we had, we were making good plays and have some talent on defense. The talent gets you this lead, and the coaching can't adjust. And the coaching gets outmaneuvered as the other team adjusts. It, it In my mind, it's as simple as that. If we had competent coaching, I'm not saying the Lions would have blown out the Packers. The Packers would have come back just because they have skill. Uh, they have talent at skill positions. The Lions could have easily won this game if they didn't get outcoached and out adjusted by the other team yeah um i mean with the bears big lead and the way you coached continuing to coach man-to-man defense when you had injuries in the secondary playing pre-event defense like you did things to get out coached by the bears and get lose that game so just week after week your talent gets you a lead and your coaching loses the game like in my mind it's as simple as that um so another example of that against the packers um yeah jones i still don't know what i think of him as a player overall obviously he's been really good for over a season now um i kind of had the feeling he kind of seemed to me more like a flash in the pan maybe kind of somebody that teams would figure out and maybe he still is maybe the lions just weren't a good enough defense to do that um but yeah i think what it comes down to for aaron jones is that just that he is the second wide receiver as well as the running back because after Devontae Adams, there's nobody for Rodgers to really throw to that's worth mentioning. 
Yeah. Um, well, like Valdez Scantling made some really good catches for the Packers, but he also dropped like six passes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, their tight ends dropped several. So, um, yeah, if I'm the Packers, I have some concerns, yeah. but no concerns that were big enough to stop the Lions from blowing this game. And, uh, yeah, it's another week of fire Patricia, fire Quinn. If this ownership had any spine, had any pride, which I don't even know if the Fords have the ability to be embarrassed anymore after years and years of being as bad as they have. If So basically, Sheila Ford is our owner. Martha Ford handed her the reins because Martha's like 110 years old. Sheila Ford, if you have any pride or any Sheila, real Sheila, take the wheel. <laughs> if you have any pride or any desire to win, you would make an example of these guys right now. Like, heads should be rolling down the Detroit streets right now. Uh, Instead, no... it's incomplete passes from DeAndre Swift <laughs> that are rolling. <laughs> like, uh, and there's arguments for, oh, let him finish out the season. You know, it's been three years. We know what we have from these guys. Uh, if you had any kind of uh, pride or balls or anything that it took to be a serious NFL owner, these guys wouldn't have jobs today. So, yeah, I'm going to, even if we win next week, I'm going to continue to be on the Fire Patricia, Fire Quinn train. Um, yeah, this season, to, in my mind, is already over. Oh. Well, you mentioned coaching, and so I'll go ahead and jump into the Bears game. Um, yep. So, Bears beat the Giants 17-13, to and uh, I have more to say than just coaching, but to start with the coaching, since that's kind of what we're talking about, um, Nagy... Had he was Nagy and Mitchell Trubisky were recently on Peyton Manning's show on ESPN Plus. I mm-hmm. the name of the show is escaping me right now. Yeah, I can't think of it. Um, but it's basically where he like looks at and like you get hear Peyton Manning analyze these offenses and and everything. Basically, he praised Nagy as like one of the best play callers in the league and. Mm. All this stuff. And to be honest with you, you really saw that in the first half. And also, Manning was making comments that Trubisky has a lot of talent. Guess what? You saw that in the first half. Uh, the Bears put up 17 points. They were winning 17 nothing after the first half. Last year, they had two games where they scored on the opening drive. And the Bears went down their first drive this on this game. They, they put up seven and a half minutes off the clock. They took off. And they drove the field. It was nothing super flashy. It was a few runs here, a few, you know, really good passes by Trubisky here or there. Like, you know, all you're doing is getting chunk yards to get to convert the third downs. The Bears are like going into the third quarter. The Bears were like nine of they were like nine of 11 or something on third downs. Like they were doing really well. Mm -hmm. Well, um. And, and even they should have been up 21 nothing. Trubisky dropped an absolute – everyone agrees. He dropped an absolute dime in the breadbasket of Anthony yep. Miller. That was a good throw. Who, taking after DeAndre Swift the week before, <laughs> dropped it in the end zone. And uh, it was honestly a similar play to the one Miller made last week against Detroit, just Over on the, the other side of the field. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know he's capable of making those catches, and also Miller's dubbed to be our number two receiver, so you have to catch that. Um, so anyway, it should have been twenty-one nothing. That touchdown would have been on third down. It should have been ten out of eleven third downs we've converted. Mm-hmm. Like it should have been a very dominant performance. 
f- by the Bears. Um, yep. Moving into the third quarter, though, and I meant I said I was going to talk about coaching, so here it comes. Um, Nagy starts getting conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, he starts wanting to try some of the fun little things he does. He want he likes to do, and he didn't totally abandon the running game, but he wasn't giving it to the running game as much as he was in the first half. He wasn't giving Trubisky. Um, like he resorted to more doing your little screen passes behind the line of scrimmage as opposed to, I guess, frankly, to me, more logical, reasonable passes that are going, you know, at least, you know, eight to 12 yards mm-hmm. downfield, down the field. Yeah. Down the field. Yep. And you're not giving, you're not giving him many chances to do that. Um, now, a lot of people said that he got especially conservative after Trubisky threw his first interception. Mm-hmm. Well, I probably would agree with that. And first of all, I think they need to stop babying Trubisky at this point. Yep. Like you have foals, so if if you if Trubisky can't take the heat, can't handle the pressure after an interception, then you definitely need to put in foals. But at this point, like last year, Trubisky's your only option, so I understand you babying him. But at this point, Trubisky needs to be able to take it. He's been boasting, not boasting, he's been talking about his confidence all season that he's built up this confidence. He should be able to handle a pick, let alone the interception. Trubisky threw two interceptions today, both of which were not really like clearly his, entirely his fault, if that makes sense. Yeah, Uh, like deflected or like jump balls and stuff like that yeah most well, the one was basically were, pulled out of uh robinson's, robinson's hands. hands yeah both of them were really good defensive plays to yeah. be honest mm-hmm. um and so when you look at these plays and um adam hogue from the hogan johns podcast he actually put it really well i was listening to that today he said something along the lines of both of those interceptions neither of them are necessarily on the wide receiver both times the receiver was Allen Robinson. Mm-hmm. Both times Trubisky is partial to blame for trying to force in throws maybe where he shouldn't or it's a poorly thrown ball. But he also said, but neither of those throws I feel really should have ended up in as an interception. No, you uh, just give a lot of credit to the defense there. And if you're going to throw a jump ball on a, to someone and have him try to make a play, Robinson's the right guy. So it's just yep. one of those things that happens. Yeah. Yeah, so and so Nagy after that starts to get conservative, and mm-hmm. the Bears don't score another point the whole game. They didn't score at all in the second half. Switching over to the defense, yep. the defense started the game really strong. They sacked Daniel Jones a few times. Uh, Robert Quinn finally got in, and on his first play from scrimmage as a Bear, yep. he has a strip sack, and the Bear and Khalil Mack recovers the ball. Like they that's were like looking, perfect picture of what you want your defense to look like. Yep. Yeah. Yep. They had an interception. They were looking really good. And then Chuck Pagano, what he ch- decides to do in the second half when the Bears are up 17 nothing, he decides to do what you said the Lions are doing, and that is prevent defense. I hate when coaches do that. I, I cannot stand that. Like, it's always been one of my biggest pet peeves. Maybe mathematically it makes sense, but you always see teams come back. Oh, yeah. Like, it always happens. So, yeah. Now, listen. I don't get it. I, the thing that was most infuriating, and I blame this largely on the prevent defense, is the New York Giants, Saquon Barkley, and we'll talk about this in a minute, he mm-hmm. left the game with an injury in this early in the second quarter. Yep. 
in I think it was the third quarter, maybe it was the fourth, the New York Giants, they got the ball after the Bears punted at the five-yard line. Mm-hmm. The Giants went on a 95-yard touchdown drive. Without Saquon. Yep. Without Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. Without Sterling Shepard, who also left the game. So you basically are down to their number two and three receivers in your backup undersized Deion Lewis running back. Yep. And you let them go the whole field. Why? Because you're doing this prevent defense. You have Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn on the line. You have Roquan Smith as and Danny Trevathan as your linebackers. You have Eddie Jack you have a, one of the best secondaries really in the league. You have Kyle mm-hmm. Fuller and Eddie Jackson, then you have Jalen Johnson, who's been really impressing been so far. Solid, yeah. Yep. Uh, compared to Akuda as a <laughs> cornerback. And you are instead of you're, you're choosing to do this prevent style when you should be just rushing the quarterback. Also, mm-hmm. because the Bears should know as well as anybody that a 17 point lead is not necessarily safe in the NFL. Just the last week, yeah. they came back from 17 down and won the freaking game because the Lions did the same thing you were doing, playing prevent defense. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. So. Pagano, but basically my point with the coaching, Pagano and Nagy both need to stop what they, they need to get more serious, I guess, and keep that. Don't take your foot off the throat of the opponent. Yep. Especially uh, a, a hurt opponent who showed yeah. a lot of weakness. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So um, we're already, I've already used up a lot of time talking about football, but just a few other things on the, on the bears. Allen Robinson just really did not have a good game. Mm-hmm. And so he's been, really upset on twitter today because people are ragging on him that he's the reason that there were two interceptions and all this stuff and you can make an argument that Allen robinson was responsible for the interceptions but the reality of the matter is bears fans you have to lay off him the guy has not had a bad game with the bears since he's been with us in 2018 and mm-hmm. this is like his first bad game so give him a freaking break he's in a contract dispute with your team like it, yeah you would think maybe he would the contract dispute would fuel him to play better so he can get his pay, but it could also be distracting him, causing him to not play as well. Yep. So you don't know what's going on there, but Ryan Pace, I know you're listening. Please extend Allen Robinson. From <laughs> the estimates people were throwing out, you're about $2, two million off. Can you just give him the $2 million, please? Yeah. He's he's awesome. Anyway, but then to make that e- matters even worse, Tariq Cohen got extended, which I've never been the biggest Cohen fan. Like I like him. I don't love him. Mm-hmm. I don't really think you need to extend him, but whatever. Uh, three years, I think, right? Three-year extension. Yeah. 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 It really he, he really got extended for a reasonable amount. Like It wasn't like this record-breaking running back extension because no matter how much they compare Tariq Cohen to Kareem Hunt, he's not Kareem Hunt. He's Tariq Cohen. Yep. He's, his, he, he's just never going to be Kareem Hunt, and that's fine. So mm-hmm. I guess I'm okay with a reasonable contract extension. I just felt like... It kind of was poor timing with Robinson having not right. gotten his. Even yet. though it's not connected, really. Yeah, it just obviously gives the fans something to be upset about. So yeah, and I mean because fans will look at it like you chose Cohen over Robinson, which is dumb. Right. But yeah, it is. Yeah, that's something. Yeah, that'll and upset maybe fans. Cohen was already working on an extension. Right. Like while this was all going on, I'm sure that was what was going on. But it still is just bad timing. Yep. Okay. Uh, last thing to talk about with NFL is there was honestly one of the biggest injury days I can remember. <sighs> biggest for I my can, fandom that I ever remember. Yeah, it's the worst. So 
I mentioned Staquan Barkley went down early in the second. He had he's torn his ACL. He is out for the season. <sighs> Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas, both defensive line players for the 49ers have torn their ACLs and they're out for the season. Rest in peace, 49ers. Super yeah. Bowl hopes. Yeah. To continue with the 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo has a high ankle sprain. Uh, I don't know how long he's pre- <clears throat> he's expected he's to be He's week out. to week, I think, yeah. but I And mean, then also, yeah. Raheem Mostert. Yep. He, uh, did he pull- I don't know how MCL I think it, he strained his MCL. I don't know if he tore okay. it. Okay. Yeah. And then their backup running back, Tevin Coleman, hurt yep. his knee. So, <laughs> I not good. Yeah. Uh, so that's the 49ers. Cortland Sutton, mm-hmm. he's wide receiver for the Broncos, I think. Yep. He tore his ACL. He's done. Also, also for the Broncos, Drew Locke sprained AC joint. Uh, probably probably week to week, but I think it's his throw in shoulder. Not oh, yeah, good. That's right. He's wearing yep. a sling. Yeah. Uh, big big name Christian McCaffrey, high ankle sprain. He's projected to be out <laughs> four to six weeks. Big news for the Bears because the Bears face the Panthers yep. in four weeks. So it could so you'll miss him. Yep. He he might be back. It depends on how well he heals. But hopefully for the Bears' sake they miss him. Mm-hmm. Devontae Adams had a hamstring. Tyrod Taylor hurt his chest. Anthony Barr hurt his shoulder. And Anthony Barr from the Vikings is out for the year. Paris Campbell hurt his knee. Isn't Campbell out for the year too? I've I've that's what I heard. I don't know if that's true or if they've done MRIs. It seems like yeah. half the league is getting MRIs today. So oh, yeah. we'll have more news coming out too. But Will yeah. Fuller, hamstring, Malik Hooker, Achilles, just like um, among other things, Hooker's pull, they pulled his Achilles. <laughs> or he, uh, or nice. he tore his Achilles. I don't know exactly what he did. Yeah. But which that's like worst case scenario injury. Yeah. For a skill position is your Achilles. And these these aren't even all of the players. These are just, I guess, the most significant ones we could name. Mm-hmm. And if you look at fantasy teams, uh, you look at running backs. Raheem Mostert, Saquon Barkley, and Christian McCaffrey are all people that people are taking high in yep. fantasy. You look at wide receivers, Cortland Sutton and Devontae Adams and Paris Campbell. all Will Fuller. That- Yep. Will Fuller, yeah, pe- people, players, people were taking, like these are that's a significant hit for fantasy. This list doesn't even include George Kittle, who was injured from last week's game. Well, yeah, last week you're looking at what Galladay, Thomas, like a bunch of other big names. Oh yeah, Michael Thomas, yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy. It's been a rough year, and I mean, maybe this is the argument for the preseason. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Which, as much as I hate watching the preseason, <laughs> maybe there's a a case for it. I don't know. All right, yeah. uh, so moving on from NFL to college football, I'll just say very briefly, Notre Dame defeated the University of South Florida 52 to nothing. Close uh, game. It was, this was what I wanted against Duke, a blowout. Yep. Yep. I, I understand you're not going to shut out Duke necessarily because their quarterback, who was Trevor Lawrence's backup and scouted by Dabo. Is, They're a solid team, yeah. 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 So you're not going to shut them out, and you may not score 52 on them, but the game against Duke should have been a way bigger win than what it was. Mm-hmm. This is what you needed. Yep. This is what you need to do to these teams to move up in the in the rankings. And I don't know where they are in the rankings right now. I'm sure they did move up of some sort. Where were they, 10? They moved up to 7 after beating Duke. Okay. Um. So they at least stayed 7. Yeah. At least, yeah. Yeah. They just, I mean, this is what you need to do. 
And yep. the thing that's interesting is Charlie Weiss Jr. Mm-hmm. So his dad, who used to coach Notre Dame, uh, Charlie Weiss Jr. is USF's offensive coordinator. So it was kind of a quote-unquote homecoming for him, even though Notre Dame destroyed USF. <laughs> N- Notre Dame just owned every piece of the game. Anytime in college football your backup quarterback is starting, that your second stringer, that means you're having a good good game unless yep. Tua unless it's gets, for injury yeah yeah, injured, yeah. <laughs> right right the only no, they, yeah Go ahead. sorry the, i want to get to your michigan team here in a minute so oh, yeah. the last thing to say is just there were some positive tests from notre dame mm-hmm. before the usf game and so combining the positive tests with contact tracing there were six notre dame players who have been quarantined since before the usf game uh it hasn't been confirmed who um, and I haven't looked at the depth chart enough yet to see who that might be mm-hmm. uh, to speculate, but presumably they'd be out for this next week against Wake Forest as well. I'll have more to say on Wake Forest on Thursday's episode. All right, so let's get into Michigan. Well, yeah, that's real quickly relating to that. Um, Michigan and the Big Ten season, as I've kind of looked more at the rules for the Big Ten return, it's going to be tough because if you have a player for the Big Ten test positive, the rules for that is you're out for 21 days. Oof. So the the CDC is what, 10 days or five days or something like more than double what the recommendation is. And if for the big 10 schools, if at any point more than 5% of your roster test positive, you have to, the whole team shuts down for a week, wow. which for an 85 man roster, I have to look and see what the percentages are, but it's less than five players. So if you have less than five players that are positive at once, you have to cancel that whole week. And when you test positive, you're considered positive for three weeks. So basically what the Big Ten did is is, uh, it kind of feels like you're getting your revenge or like extracting a toll from these teams because they kind of made you look bad coming out almost revolting against you. You had coaches and players come out and say, we want to play. We disagree with what our league's doing. See how good our numbers are. Harbaugh was big on that. We have only had this many positive tests. Great. But now the league has said, okay, we're calling your bluff. You better keep those numbers up is kind of how it feels. And they're going to argue, oh, it's for safety, you know. But to me, this kind of feels like a, okay, we're going to have to cave to the pressure and let these teams play. But we're going to make it very difficult for you to not miss games. Um, so I don't know. Just something interesting to watch when you look at contact tracing and positive tests and everything. So, um, Okay, so Big Ten announced eight-game season with a ninth game, which I'll get into later. But that's to be determined as far as the team you play. So Michigan's schedule looks like this. Uh, everybody's been saying, oh, this brutal four-game stretch for Michigan. And I don't get it. Okay, To so, open the season? Really? Yeah. And it's because, okay, so Minnesota, you do play two ranked Big Ten teams in the first four games. But Minnesota, you start the season with, they won 11 games last year. They bring back a lot of their team. That's a tough opening game. There's probably a really good chance Michigan loses that on the road. Um, To me, I I see this as like a 50-50 game to start the year. So, okay, that's a tough game. Michigan State is next. Michigan State is going to be one of the worst teams in the Big Ten this year. And I don't just say that because I hate them. Like, they could legitimately be a two-win team. This You've year. been on record saying that. You said that yeah. back when we did, like, the original Michigan schedule discussion. Yeah. <laughs> like New head coach. I have no idea who their quarterback is. And every single good player on their defense is gone. Um, and they were already atrocious last year. So, Michigan State, one of the worst teams in college football. And I can't wait to put up 70 points on them. 
Um, Indiana's next, and everybody says, well, Indiana's improved, which is true. Indiana's played us tough the past few years, which is true. But Indiana also hasn't beat Michigan in 20 years. So until I see it, I'm not scared. Sorry, Indiana. Um, Wisconsin, okay. That's the state in general. Yeah, the (laughs) The whole state of Indiana where I live. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then uh, Wisconsin, yeah, that's a tough game. But they lost Jonathan Taylor, which I know they continue to stack good running backs year after year. But we don't know how good that guy's going to be. And usually Michigan handles them at home. So this is a home game against Wisconsin. Honestly, that's a very winnable game in my mind. And I would pick Mm -hmm. Michigan to win that game. Um, So four-game stretch, yeah, you've got a couple tough games. I think Michigan probably goes 3-1 and in this stretch. Then you have Rutgers, obvious win. Penn State's going to be a tough game. It's a home game. Um, But, yeah, Penn State looks really good. They've had some players who had declared opt back in. Uh, probably a loss, but I kind of see this like the Wisconsin game. We've kind of traded back and forth with them. This is a home game. Uh, we've usually done pretty well against them at home the past several years. Uh, I think we've beat them like four games in a row at home, four home games in a row. So, um, yeah, so we'll see with that one. Maryland win, Ohio State. So Ryan Day said he's going to put up 100 on Michigan, and yep. I believe him. <laughs> and uh, until I see it, there's nothing could happen and Justin Fields could test positive for COVID the week before and be out and your entire defense could too. I'm not picking Michigan to win this game. I have to see it at this point. Um, so, so I, I want to ask you this because everyone's yeah. may basically said it's a foregone conclusion that the big 10 joined so that Ohio state can be in the playoff. Yeah. And you can see that because the big 10 championship literally takes plays one day before the playoff committee would vote to see who be who is in the playoffs. Yep. So the question I want to ask you is since it's basically a foregone conclusion by everybody that Ohio State is going to be in the playoffs, I want to know from you does Ohio State have a game that you could reasonably believe that they would lose that could th- put their playoff hopes in jeopardy? I think the only one I would consider is Penn State. Yeah, and okay. I think That's even I if they lose even if they lose to Penn State, if that's the only game they lose, I think they'd make the playoff. Um, but Ohio State did, and a lot of people complain about the schedule, which I do get this, because Michigan, their two crossover games against the West Division are Minnesota and Wisconsin, which are the only two ranked teams from that division. Ohio State got, I think, Nebraska and Northwest. I'd have to look and see. But basically, Ohio State Cake, has one yeah. of the easiest schedules. And... Um, but honestly, like I get why people are upset by that, but the main reason Ohio State's schedule is easier than everyone else's is because they don't have to play Ohio State. Like <laughs> they're just far and away the best team in the Big Ten. Right. And so yeah, I do think that this was set up to give them a shot to make the playoff, and I do think they will make it. So um and then yeah, after we play Ohio State, Big Ten to be determined. So this is the ninth game, which this is cool. Like the the number one team and the East will play the number one team in the West, which will be your Big Ten championship. But then you also have the number two team play the number two team. So it could be like Penn State against Iowa or something like that. Huh. Penn State, Minnesota. Um, and then number three plays three. And I think you do that all the way through the divisions. Oh, that's cool. So what that'll do is, yeah, it gives an extra game to make up some of the lost TV revenue, which is cool. Um, and then also, if there was a possibility, you could have two playoff teams. Say... Penn State is also has one loss and then Penn State plays against 
either Wisconsin or Minnesota, whoever the second place team is from the West, beats them, yeah. and beats them, maybe Ohio State and Penn State then both make the playoff because you give them an extra data point. So it helps with TV revenue, helps with possibly getting another team in the playoff. Um, I think that was a really good move by the schedulers. So yeah, it's going to be nine games for the Big Ten schedule, and that's kind of my thoughts on how the games will go for Michigan. I just want to say, uh, I, I've already, I think I referenced Always Irish earlier this episode, but I just want to reference them again. Uh, I listened to Johnny over there at Always Irish. He's great mm-hmm. for Notre Dame coverage, and he's he's a very fervent Notre Dame fan. And something he said on this week's episode I listened to was ranting about the Big Ten. He just said, like, everybody every year is talking about Notre Dame doesn't deserve to be in the playoff because Notre Dame only plays 12 games as opposed to 13 where what about the extra data point where's the extra data point you need the extra data point in order to play and he says and now the Big Ten is forcing in a season just to get Ohio State in and you're playing three fewer games than what Notre Dame will be playing and you're expecting to get put in the playoffs he said I fine if you want that to happen then fine but i don't ever want to hear you say that about notre dame again no that's a good point and honestly i think if if ohio state is undefeated at nine and oh and you have a bunch of other 11 and one teams yeah i don't think ohio state should get it i mean you can maybe look at how they look and maybe some of those other teams had a bunch of close games but if if you have like I don't know, Oklahoma, Alabama, Clemson, and Notre Dame, all with one loss, who've played full schedules, I wouldn't put Ohio State in undefeated. Um, But we don't know what the – I don't think that's what would happen. And we don't know how these these judges or whoever selects this even makes these decisions. But that's a fair point, and I agree with him, actually. So, yeah. All right. Uh, Let's – Real quick, we have a few more news topics we wanted to run through. We talk a lot about football because we're very passionate about football on this podcast. Uh, but uh, real quick, Chicago Bulls, Kobe White was named to the all-rookie team. This was about a week ago that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he recently stated that he wants to play point guard. Um, and hmm. the other piece of news there is that the Bulls have officially returned to their practice f- facility. And they're doing bubble. They're, they're a bit, the Bulls have created their own bubble, essentially, and they're practicing. So that's yep. cool. Yep. Uh, this would be about normal when they would normally practice ramping up for a, a season that would start in late October. Obviously, the NBA won't start until more like Christmas or January, mm-hmm. but you're still at least going about things in a normal way. One quick thing I'll say about Kobe White wanting to play point guard. Point guard is a position the, the Bulls need help mm-hmm. in. And if Zach Levine is playing your sh- shooting guard, then actually Kobe White playing point guard helps a lot. Um, I know positions aren't necessarily the most important anymore in the NBA, uh, but there's still a place for positions, players to be effective in their specific position. Mm -hmm. And instead of having Kobe White and Zach Levine trying to share this shooting guard role, if you have Kobe White as your designated point guard, I feel like that might help the team moving forward. But Kobe White can say all he wants, but a lot of it will depend on what his coach wants uh, whenever the the Bulls hire a coach. All right. Uh, Next is, and I just want to bring this up because I'm not I'm not a LeBron hater. I just I don't think LeBron's the greatest, and so I think it's funny. LeBron's Hmm. mad about not getting MVP votes or getting very few compared to Giannis. Uh, He's like super mad about it for some reason. So what did you think about that? (laughs) 
I actually kind of see what, he, what he's saying. Um, you can argue if he's the greatest all time, but he's definitely the greatest of this generation. Um, and you can have an interesting, interesting debate, which we, you have a note here. Is he even the best player on the Lakers? Um, I don't think he's the best pure scorer on the Lakers right now. Yeah, obviously <laughs> Kuzma. <laughs> yeah. Um, at this point in his career, AD is probably a more reliable and consistent scoring threat or pure scorer. Um, and you saw that in the fourth quarter when LeBron kind of struggled of game in the fourth quarter of game two. But I think LeBron's a more complete player. LeBron obviously has a, a, a bigger legacy and a better resume. Um, but when you're talking MVP votes for this season, um, you don't just base that on resume and legacy at yeah, previous exactly. years. You look at who's the most valuable this year to their team. So I do understand why he'd be frustrated because personally he's got to take a lot of pride in what he's done throughout his career. But I understand also why voters wouldn't be voting for him this season. Uh, well, but I mean, if you're looking at it practically, Giannis, when he went down, I know the Bucks still were able to put up one win against uh, the Raptors there. Mm-hmm. Was it the Raptors? No, the Heat. The, the Heat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They put up one win against the Heat yep. without him, but it was obvious that their morale shot down. Your skill on the Bucks shoots down tremendously when Giannis is not there. Giannis is the reason the Bucks have been good. So you, you can't deny that Giannis is legitimately the most valuable player to for his the team. Bucks. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um whereas LeBron is hard to it's hard to say he is totally when you do have another superstar like t- a tier 1 superstar or yep. maybe just outside tier 1 superstar with Anthony Davis on your team. So every obviously everyone's going to look back and I don't even think this is a question and say LeBron had a better career than whatever John uh Jonas does, you know, like but that's not the question. Who's more valuable to their team right now? Yep. So, yeah, agreed. All right, uh next up quick hockey note Blackhawks had Dominic Kubelik named to the all-rookie team. Mm-hmm. So you have two young Chicago stars, uh, Dominic Kubelik and Kobe White, each getting named in rookie teams. And that's an accomplishment. I'm looking forward to see what Kubelik does this next season. Mm-hmm. I think between him and Kirby Doc, the Blackhawks really could build a good young core. All right, baseball, real quick. Cubs, uh, they have had a horrible stretch of games against the Twins. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are down to their last week of the season. Uh, the Cubs scored three runs in 33 innings, so that sucked. And uh, they dropped two or three of the Twins. Uh, David Ross is finally taking his managing seriously because he dropped Chris Bryant, who's been struggling in the batting order. And yep. then Chris Bryant got injured tonight playing against the Pirates. So KB's probably done for the season. And mm. he benched Schwarber after not hustling out in left field, and it resulted in a triple by the Twins. So, yep. uh Finally, he's taking it seriously. He's trying to prove that there's urgency to get to the playoffs. The Cubs are pretty much in the playoffs at this point, um, but it's more a matter of seeding and who, what teams are you going to match up against. The Cubs need to score. You cannot be doing three runs and 33 innings. you got to yep. score if you're going to win at all in the playoffs. So that's all I have about the Cubs, and we have one final baseball note. What do you have? Yeah, so for the Tigers, Ron Gardenhire, uh, former Twins manager, been with the Tigers for a few years. He retired, um, when was it, Saturday, Friday or Saturday? And it wasn't really with much fanfare, which is kind of his style. He just kind of showed up, went through normal drills and everything, and at the end just had said, hey, guys, I'm retiring. And so, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I appreciate what he did for the Tigers. Uh, a good guy, somebody with some experience, 
which is good when you have young players. Um, but we knew he wasn't the long-term answer. He's had health issues and having to continue to manage this awful team would probably kill him. So, um, yeah, I wish him nothing but the best. I appreciate what he did. And I don't really know enough or haven't looked into it enough to start having names for who I think they should take um, as their manager. Uh, right now, Lloyd McClendon, I believe, is acting manager through the end of the year, uh, which won't include postseason, I'm sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, get to the end of the year, and this next hire is going to be huge. Because you have a team who is building a good farm system, has a lot of young players who finally got some experience this year. Next season, you expect to take a jump forward, and you need to have the right manager in place who knows how to manage this young talent. Um, so whoever they hire, you got to get this right if you're the yeah. Tigers. So we'll see what happens. Cool. All right, well, before we get into our segments, uh, we are going to talk a little bit about the Shoot Your Shot Sports Store. So I referenced it earlier, the It's Bisky season shirt that I created proudly. Uh, so you can please <laughs> go check that out uh, and buy that there at the shop shootyourshotsports.com forward slash frustration nation. There you can also find uh, gear for all of our other shows on the Shoot Your Shot Sports network, whether it's Off the Cuff, Shoot Your Shot Sports itself, or Big Daddy Juice Power Hour. It's all there. We're finally starting to get some stuff up for DadBot Central, so that'll start to appear there as well. So uh, definitely go check that out and support the show. Okay, let's go ahead and jump into our segments, and we're starting off with sports acronyms. All right. So this is where we would normally be playing music to intro everything, but <laughs> we talked about that we're kind of doing away with that. So... Uh, with our sports acronyms you guys have followed along so far where we have a few different people or from sports that we've created an acronym out of their name and it's an acronym that's supposed to kind of reveal who they really are um so let's let's get into this so who do you have for your sports acronym this week okay so my first one or i guess mine this week is ford which if you know cars the acronym that's kind of um, been on like a long-standing joke acronym is that Ford stands for fix or repair daily when it comes to vehicles, which I mean, yeah, that's talking about the performance of the vehicles, the automotives that come from Ford. But when you talk about the Fords, same fra uh, same family that own the Lions, Ford actually stands for family of regular dysfunction. Mm -hmm. So this went from William William Clay Ford to Martha Ford to now her daughter Sheila Ford and just continue to see how this team basically there's so many things I could say on this but you bring in Quinn and Patricia because as owners you have no idea how to build a winning team you have nothing you can refer back to in your history so basically you just say wow New England looks nice they did a good job there let's try to do that here and you give the reins to these guys who are trying to install something completely different and it's just clearly not working. And we don't have any kind of experience or ownership um, capability to be able to, like they, they haven't shown anything that says they're going to take control of the situation or do the right thing. Um, so Sheila Ford has come out and said how much she hates losing, how seriously she takes this. She said that um, expectations are high going into this year. She expects them to be contending for the playoffs. Well, if that doesn't happen, what are you going to do about it? Because from where I'm sitting right now, you look like just the next in line of an incompetent family who just accepts mediocrity and is a family of regular dysfunction. 
<laughs> I like that. Uh, I've got Cassius Clay. So Cassius Clay, for those that don't know, that is Muhammad Ali's birth name. Mm. Cassius Clay. Um, so what that stands for is can't avoid swift swings is undeniably superb. So obviously mm-hmm. Cassius there, that's talking about his just many people consider him one of the greatest athletes of all time or if not one of the greatest another word for it would be one of the most dominant athletes of all time mm-hmm. um i don't know i don't even know what his record is i just know that he had he was awesome I or even that. another way i would say it is iconic maybe not like iconic yeah. his record as dominant or whatever but when you co- talk about like cultural his impact dominant though i'm pretty sure yeah and, but also like cultural impact too yeah uh, he's one of the greatest so yeah so that's the Cassius part. The clay part is can luckily avoid Yen Min. Uh, now, <laughs> Yen Min is not necessarily a place maybe you've heard of, man in the Michigan hat, or listeners. I can't say I have, no. Uh, but uh, if it sounds like an Asian town, you're correct. And it's actually from Vietnam. And the reason <laughs> he can luckily avoid Yen Min is because uh, another thing about Cassius Clay or Muhammad Ali is there was a whole controversy uh, that he was supposedly drafted for Vietnam and then chose not to not to go, even though he was drafted, to go fight there. Um, I honestly don't even know all the details of the story. You're the history major. Do you have any more info than that? Well, yeah, dodging is obviously an important attribute for a boxer, and he dodged the draft expertly. Um, I, I think it came down ultimately to religious reasons and also cultural reasons, talking about there's quotes where he said, like, if this country won't even support me at home, why should I go fight for them? Which personally, like, I kind of get where he's coming from, honestly. <laughs> like, I think it's admirable to choose to fight for your country. But Admiral? personally, Admiral. <laughs> Admirable. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the whole – I do kind of have a problem with – I get that it was a crazy time and that – people were needed but the whole idea of a draft forcing you to go fight um yeah if you have convictions against that i don't have a problem with you uh not going but anyway yeah the kind of one of the things he's more famous for and why he's such a cultural icon is kind of the stand he took uh at a time when you look at vietnam war and social unrest and like he kind of in a lot of ways led that uprising that kind of protested the war so um, yeah yeah yes he did and uh he he was still able to sting like a butterfly wait no sting like a <laughs> float like a butterfly sting like a bee that's there you go <laughs> sting like a butterfly next next shirt on shoot your shot sports <laughs> that's a great one <laughs> um all right lastly our our final acronym here is fanatics uh, and that stands for find apparel now at this important clothing shop yep so uh, basically, uh, you can just go right now and go to shoot, go to www.shootshotsports.com forward slash frustration nation and follow the link there to purchase things from Fanatics. There's a link that'll be in the show notes as well. Uh, listen, it's a great opportunity uh, because you know you need to gear up for this football season, for the baseball playoffs that are about to start. Uh, if you're a Dallas Stars or Lightning fan, you want to make sure you get your Stanley Cup gear. If you're uh, a Denver Nuggets fan, you're going to get, get you're going to want to get your NBA Finals gear. <coughs> That's right, I said For it. Next year, I said it. No, no, no. 2020. Huh. <laughs> come on, come on, Nuggets. Well, I'm sure it will be on sale soon, so that's a good idea. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> Get them before you, they're shipped to Africa. That's right. But if you click on our link and use our link to buy it through Fanatics, you get a small discount and we get a share of the the sale. So that helps out both of us. So please take advantage of that uh, and help support the show and help yourself get a good deal on gear that you want to buy. So go to, again, that's www.shootyourshotsports forward slash frustration nation and click on the link there to buy through us on Fanatics. Nice. All right, Furious. So as we close, do you have anything positive or uplifting to share? Are we closing right now? We haven't done two of our segments. Oh, my bad. <laughs> Looking at our notes wrong. <laughs> it's over. I can't take it anymore. All right. <laughs> so draft day. <laughs> Let me get back to my notes. All right, Furious. So now next up, it's time for draft days. In this segment, we build the best roster we can from a draft class of any topic, sports or not. Debate and discussion will ensue. With today's draft, we will be selecting our top five worst sports injuries, which is appropriate with the NFL. Uh, A poll will also be up on social media so you can vote which roster of injuries is better. All right. All right. uh, Do we want to flip a coin? Yeah, we want to do. I got you. All right. flip Flip me that coin. All right, you I'll take heads. heads. Tails? I'll take heads. Give me head. <laughs> and it is tails. Okay. <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> All right. So with this, I'm going to be selecting the worst sports injuries. Um, so are we going specific to a player or just a type of injury? I think you can go either way. Okay. And it, and it could be worst as in most gruesome. It could be worst as most devastating. Mm. I think it's open to interpretation. Okay, I'm going to go with compound leg fracture, which is where the bone snaps through the skin. Like you saw Kevin Ware, uh, like you saw Anderson Silva. um, Oh, that's right. I forgot about that one. Where, yeah, he kicks somebody and his leg just snaps in half. Um, Hayward was that too, right? Uh, I don't know, but you're just running through a bunch of the examples that others uh, that we could draft. Okay, so I'm going to have to name a specific one, right? I think that'd be better, yeah. All right, Kevin Ware. Yeah, that's... Leg snap. I mean... (laughs) That one in and of itself, like, you might win the poll right there. That's probably the most, yeah, notable, at least to me personally. Because for my number one overall, that is not... It's not well known, but it is awful, no matter how many times I've seen it. But I'm going to go with Clint Malarchuk. Uh, Ooh. So if you haven't seen this listener, I can't really recommend you go watch it. But basically, this happened in like the 80s or 90s in the NHL. And he was a goalie. And there was a play where uh, a center or a winger from the opposing team basically kind of had a breakaway. The puck got away from him. So he kind of and he kind of like lost his footing right by the goal crease as he loses his footing he fall, the the winger falls down his skate goes up in the air and mm-hmm. it nicks Clint Malarchuk right in his crowded artery slices it open and on the video what i can tell you is it doesn't look like anything happens right away and immediately you see Clint Malarchuk take off his goalie mask and there's just a immediately a puddle of blood on the ice hmm. it is one of the most disgusting disturbing injuries i've ever seen and he would have died 
if not for I think it was the opposing team's trainer was the first one to get to him and the opposing pinched team's trainer him. yeah pinched the crowded artery closed and kept his hand on that crowded artery until he was able to get more medical attention from uh EMT so yep hmm. that guy's a hero <laughs> yeah yep for sure so don't look up the Clint Malarchuk injury but if you don't know what it is and you want you can handle it then Buffalo go for Sabres it. this was back what the 90s or late I 80s so. maybe yeah okay um there's a couple different directions i could go with this i'm going to go joe theisman's broken leg that's what i was thinking yeah um broken career yeah (laughs) um one of the worst things that could happen to a quarterback who's as good as he was um so this was back in the 80s i forget which which year this was um but yeah, Lawrence Taylor is actually the one yep. who uh, he bra- he broke like whatever the two big bones, uh, fibula, femur. And, yeah, femur and the yeah, and uh, just a t- horrible yeah. gruesome tibia, injury. Right? Yeah, yeah, tibia and fibula maybe femur, femur. Yeah, whatever the basically his whole <laughs> leg. Um, Shane didn't pay attention in, in anatomy class. No, clearly, <laughs> just to the part about the the, the sexual reproduction. Yeah, that's the only part I remember. So. Yeah, <laughs> but basically, this was one of those iconic injuries that it became the reason why left tackle is so highly paid and valued in the NFL. And um, I remember hearing that his one of his legs, whichever one it was, his left leg, I think, or his right leg, is now significantly shorter than his other leg after the surgeries. Um, so just a classic example of an iconic if, player being having his career ruined. And if you've seen The Blind Side, it's yep. the play it's that opens thing. and closes the movie. Yep. Uh, yeah. So. Well, yeah, it literally right. changed the game. So. Well, I'm tempted to go with Alex Smith since his hat. Yep. I, I don't know, listener, if you're aware of this, but Alex Smith had the same injury as Joe Theismann on the same team against the same opponent. Crazy. It was the same score at the same yard line. <laughs> it's, it's like nuts. Yeah. Illuminati confirmed. Like, it's like, yep. yeah. Um, so I could go with that, but I'm going to go with one that isn't a gruesome injury, but it is one that was devastating and really changed the trajectory of a career i'm gonna go with derrick rose tearing his Mm. acl i thought about that one too yep so Hmm. as a bulls fan especially it was heartbreaking i remember when it happened um i was listening to the game on the radio because i was working and it was a playoff game against the sixers it was like game one it was the season after his mvp season so everybody was expecting him to like just for the bulls to really make a finals run yep and game one against the Sixers, a bad Sixers team. Derrick Rose, they I remember on the radio, they were like, he's down on the ground and he's not getting up. And you're just immediately as a fan, just your heart sinks. Mm-hmm. Like, yep, you feel, yeah, you just feel horrible <laughs> immediately. So hmm. that's my second pick. Yeah, that's a, that was a brutal one. Um, okay, I'm going to go... Hmm. I think that's an interesting criteria as far as like ones that ended a career or the trajectory of a career. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to go. Like, does this count Dale Aaron Aaron Hart Jr.'s crash 
or Dale Earnhardt senior seniors crash yeah. that he died. Yeah, I mean that's an injury. <laughs> I mean, right? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Why am I laughing? I don't. I don't know. know. I'm gonna put that. <laughs> it's a little dark, but okay. Yeah. Dale Earnhardt's crash. Um, senior, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um. Obviously, like <laughs> when you think of like most horrific moments in sports when it comes oh, to yeah. injuries and yep. uh like catastrophes um i'm not a huge nascar fan but i even uh i don't know when this happened but i've seen the videos and stuff of like how the fallout was after this and obviously how devastating it was to see this happen so um yeah i'm gonna put that there well i'm gonna go to a similar one that's more of like a, a um similar in the sense that it's like a shocking sports injury mm. Um, and I'm gonna go with uh, Nancy Kerrigan's yep. injured. Uh, I think it was her shin. I don't know if she broke it. I don't remember. I was I was not I was alive, but not really aware. I guess would be the way to say it of things going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just gonna put Nancy Kerrigan's leg. Yeah. Uh, obviously, if you don't know the story, Tanya Harding um, basically hired her like boy, her security guard, or her boy. I don't remember the story. But basically, she hired somebody to injure Nancy Kerrigan because Tanya Harding had been overlooked for the Olympics for the for the U.S. So, yep, Nancy Kerrigan. Hmm. All right, my next one, and there's been a few different examples of this, but this is the most recent one I can remember. 2006 uh, for Villanova, um, Alan Ray, or Alan Ray, his eye popped out in college basketball. Um, <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Hate when that happens. Um, so there's been a couple other times it's happened in the NBA. It seems like it's happened a few times, pretty much just basketball games. Um, so Is there like blood when that happens? I mean, not I when I think- saw it, but I know it just like it looks like a chameleon or something where it pops out and it just like it just yeah Ugh. obviously like it, it's not like. Like, does it detach from, or is it, you can still see the, connected to the brain? It's still, I mean, you don't, it's not hanging to where you can see, like, the stem and everything connecting it, but it's just, like, noticeably protruding from the eye socket. Um, so those are, like, anything relating to eye injuries is, like, the most uncomfortable feeling. It just makes <laughs> yes. me feel sick. And so I wanted to, I had to put some kind of eye injury, so, yep. All right. My next selection is going to be, I, I chose Nancy Kerrigan, which is kind of more outside-the-box sport. I'm going to go outside the box again, and I'm going to go with Lance Armstrong's testicle. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And I say this mainly because when uh, we were watching the Lance Armstrong documentary, I remember we both said that we, when he was talking about his testicular cancer and getting it removed, that we both all of a sudden were like, oh, and... Mm-hmm. As, if you're a listener that's a guy you know that feeling that when people start talking about like yeah testicular cancer or prostate cancer all of a sudden you start you start feeling around down there and being like oh my gosh do Something's i have it wrong, right yeah i don't feel right down there <laughs> right. so that had as large of an impact on me as it did on lance armstrong i believe of course yeah, yeah. just as bad yeah all right what do you got for next okay so i've got just one left. I'm ch- I'm struggling to pick between two. I think I'm going to pick the one that's a worse it. I know for certain what my last one is as long as you don't take it. Mine's okay. lock. So I'm not going to pick this one okay. um, because, again, I'm kind of using the criteria of how much did it affect their career. Sean Livingston is an example of one. Like, 
so he had one where like the kneecap is facing the wrong way. He tore his ACL, PCL, MCL, and meniscus. Um, and I just remember that being one of the more like gross looking ones. But when I think about like the impact it had on their career and the way it ends a career, I'm even though this isn't like at all the most gruesome one, I'm gonna pick uh, when Vontez Perfect laid out and knocked out Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown. I was thinking about that one actually. That's um, not the just, one that's a lock for me, but yeah. Just because you see the way he was different after that, I really strongly believe he me suffered too. severe um, CTE. And I mean, he probably already had some of those issues just from playing for as long as he had been. Um, but I think that that one hit probably changed his career a lot. So. All right. Uh, so for my final pick, there's a lot to choose from still, honestly, especially when you consider like football as such a hard contact sport mm-hmm. um i mean another one i i my brain just kind of went through all the different like cte affected players i could think of yep and you, there, it's easy to make jokes about but the tragedy of like aaron hernandez would be an mm-hmm. example mm-hmm. um oj simpson pretty much everybody is yep. pretty certain that he has cte uh there is it'd be easy to kind of choose one of those um but since this is a sports comedy podcast i'm going to end with something that's a little more lighthearted, and that is jason pierre paul's hand mm. <laughs> the fireworks incident <laughs> yep yep so <laughs> definitely one of the more you, unique yeah yeah classic uh was trying to shoot off fire i think it was a roman candle that backfired actually yeah well, so the roman candles you're supposed to hold in your hand i think when you i right? don't think so <laughs> no are you sure i think you there, set it down and there's one sure. that you like shoot out hmm. yeah, i don't I know. know he was holding fireworks in his hand he lit them and he didn't let go so yeah. <laughs> usually not a good strategy yeah yeah so i would i would put really the only other there's one specific one i was thinking of is kind of like a notable injury and it's notable really only to chicago fans but johnny knox who had a really Mm -hmm. promising looking career as a wide receiver for the bears and a special teamer he i don't remember who the opponent was but he went up for a kind of like a 50 50 ball he got absolutely laid out like bent in half backwards yeah and he like broke his back like something ridiculous yep uh so there's a lot of other examples there's one there's some tennis player who got like stabbed by a crazed fan who ran into the field and stabbed her what? like yeah there's uh, there's, all there's sorts a baseball of player up, who died after being hit by a pitch that i thought about yep. but it's just not a super known one or i thought about like when tyson bites that dude's ear off like, <laughs> oh yeah there's so many to choose from but yeah we just thought it was an appropriate topic in light of the nfl week yeah. two so so which of these would you most want to happen to you most want to happen yeah not the car crash (laughs) um it's yeah not the sliced throat for sure i mean i'm probably picking honestly the testicle (laughs) (laughs) i'm not not. or the acl maybe Derek. yeah i'm picking the acl because it was devastating for his career but, but if you're you a normal non-athlete yeah it's a pretty normal injury that people definitely not the hand either I would go with Nancy Kerrigan's leg after that yeah. because, again, I don't even think 
if she did break, it was like more a hairline. Yeah. Uh, all it wasn't like anything life threatening or, or life altering. It was just it an was impactful, famous injury. Yeah, because yeah. it happened like a month before the Winter Olympics started. So yeah. Yeah. and fun story there, she came back and won the silver in the Olympics. So yep, and true. Tanya Harding didn't make the team. So suck it, Tanya. Karma. That's another frustration nation shirt. Suck it, Tanya. That's what we'll all right. Well, we always like to end our Tuesday episodes with our F an idiot. Yep. So it's finally time for you F an idiot. Every week we select an absolute moron from the past few weeks in sports or otherwise and shout about them in this segment. So here we go. Man, Michigan hat, you have the floor first. All right. So for me, it's the all of the who, people who vote for NFL MVP and the fact that they've none of them has ever given Russell Wilson a single vote. That's insane to me. And it's kind of, it's quoted every year. And it feels like we're at the point now where somebody needs to give him a vote just so people can stop saying this. But it continues to be true. And, okay, so Russell Wilson, still dominant in his ninth season, looked amazing against the Patriots. And through two games, he has the Seahawks looking like a serious Super Bowl contender. Through these first two games, he's thrown nine touchdowns and 11 incomplete passes wow which is the best <laughs> I, I forget what it was through so many completion percentages i think he's the first one to ever throw at least nine touchdowns and have less than 17 incompletions or something like that so way better than whatever that record was um so yeah dominant and with the fact that he's the age he is you've seen how at one point he had a dominant defense the defense has kind of been reconstructed and he's still as good as he is um, the fact that they constantly fly under the radar and are, and are underrated by national sports media, it seems. Um, the fact that players, skill players around him have changed, like Golden Tate, people who have come and go. The team has changed around him seemingly like every couple of years, and he continues to still hold that team together and make the, them a contender. I don't think he's ever finished below 500. Um, it's just it's crazy to me that he hasn't been given the respect from MVP voters that he's clearly yep. do. So, yep. Yep. well, here's some, here's a list of the people who have won MVPs. You said this is his ninth year in the league. Yep. So since when he started the league, Aaron Rodgers, Adrian Peterson, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Cam Newton, Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, all scrubs. Yeah, but <laughs> well, seriously, thing, like, even if he doesn't win any of those years, which he probably should have at least one of those times, the fact that he's never got a vote is crazy. Like yeah, LeBron, com- LeBron complains about getting his 16 MVP votes, but of, yeah. he got votes, you know, like yeah. there's still people who are giving respect to him. So Very even true. if he never wins an MVP, he should always be in the conversation. I agree completely i i actually part of the reason i drafted russell wilson in our fantasy draft was because a lot of experts have projected him to be like a front runner for mvp this year yep um like right up there with lamar jackson and pat mahomes so he definitely looks that way so far so and i have lamar jackson and russell wilson as my quarterbacks so i'm in in (laughs) pretty good shape yeah Yeah. (laughs) all right furious what's who's your f idiot all right so my f idiot is not at all sports related it's just an internet thing i saw today and it was just hilarious so (laughs) nancy pelosi (laughs) and that's i'm done no so (laughs) nancy pelosi 
was on uh good good morning america talking with george stephanopoulos mm. i don't i didn't even watch the full interview i just saw th- the specific clip that this is referring to uh before i play this clip first i just want to share that my my very very conservative right-wing uncle down in texas refers to her as the botox bitch so i just want to throw that out there first (laughs) i'd never heard Uh, that but okay well yeah i mean to be honest with you no matter what side of political spectrum you're on it's a pretty accurate description (laughs) yeah i had a conversation with a friend about this recently but something about politics like i don't know if politics attracts weird people or it turns them in people into weird people but something like when you look at all these people in positions of power like why are there so many weirdos in political office? Like you look at this oh, election yeah. and the choices we have seemingly every year having to choose between like really weird, bizarre people. Like it's just an interesting conversation of like, does power corrupt them or does it attract people who are already weird? So um, right. yeah, but Pelosi is another example of that for sure. All right. So I want to play the clip so you guys can understand why she's an effing idiot. <laughs> oh, I saw this. Yeah. Uh, and you can do so as soon as possible. Ten states, as I said, on Friday, uh, started their early for voting the, the day that we lost but, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. But to be clear, you're not taking any arrows out of your quiver. You're not ruling anything out. Good morning. Sunday morning. <laughs> What? We have a responsibility. We take an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. Good morning. Sunday morning. uh, We have a... (laughs) (laughs) It's like short-circuited for a second. Just started saying random words. If I can give her purple toaster, what? (laughs) Just like she didn't. She remembered where she was. Oh, that was bizarre. Isn't that like uncomfortable? Oh, I feel like gross. If 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 I can give any benefit of the doubt to her, it's probably that the audio cut out or something from George Stephanopoulos. But still, why do you say "Good morning, Sunday morning"? That is. That like, sounds like a code, doesn't it? It did have like, like that creepy feel of like Good morning, Sunday morning. Like, uh, oh crap, was about to go down. Something is happening on Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> was this on a Sunday? I think this was yeah, yesterday. Okay. So maybe the teleprompter malfunctioned and she pulled a Ron Burgundy, just read what was on there. <laughs> Good morning, Sunday morning. I don't that's know. That's bizarre. Whoever who says that? That's not like a common phrase or anything. No, that's I don't know. And she just looked like awkward after it. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she's just very old. (laughs) So that's part of it. Well, that makes sense then. (laughs) Yeah. In my notes, I wrote she has a stroke. I don't think that's actually what happened, but I mean, you could argue. Yeah. I mean, there could have been a medical reason behind that because, yeah, that that didn't seem like a, I don't know. Or she's a sleeper agent and she's starting to slip up. That makes sense too. Yeah. Yep accidentally let her code through yeah yeah huh weird so she's my effing idiot just because it was it was honestly too weird to not play for this it's just bizarre yeah 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 that's a good pick well these effing idiots have been brought to you by thrive fantasy and thrive fantasy is a daily sports app for player props come prop up with thrive fantasy the season especially now that mlb nba and nhl are all back 
Over at Thrive Fantasy, they've eliminated the need for you to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top-tier athletes in a respective sport. So you'll go on this, you'll select various player props under different categories for each respective sport. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with either the over or the under based on its likelihood to occur. So for example, you could take the over on collarbones Aaron Rodgers will break or the under on how many of his family members will still send him a Christmas card. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. So far, Thrive Fantasy has awarded over $1.3 million in prizes since launching in 2018. So don't be an effing idiot. Go right now to the App Store or Google Play Store to download the Thrive Fantasy app. Or you can go straight to their website, www.thrivefantasy.com. Make sure you use our promo code FNFANTASY when you sign up today, and you'll receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. So prove you're not an FN idiot, and sign up and prop up today. All right, well, let's finish our show like we always do with our silver lining. All right, let's do it. Uh, Furious, what's your silver lining this week? I'm just, you know, I... I ranted about it for a very long time and I would, I would be hypocritical to not say that my silver lining is that the bears are two and oh, you should not be happy about <laughs> that. You should be upset. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah. and I'm trying to sound as cool as a cucumber right now because thinking about me being happy about the bears being two and makes me mad about other people who are not happy. The bears are two and <sighs> The only people who should be unhappy. The bears are two and are the experts who picked the bears to be three and 13 and other teams in the division that's the those are the only people that should be unhappy the bears are two no bears fans like myself if you're really a diehard bears fan yeah you see things you think you would like to see be improved that's fine yeah celebrate two and oh for sure because it might go away very soon no and whether it does or doesn't you know you celebrate where you're at you you critique where critique needs to be made but yep. you're in a very good spot to be giving critique, you know, when you can criticize a, a two and O team. So yep. you'll take that for sure. Um, so mine is not sports related because I don't really have any sports related silver linings. Um, <laughs> but my new job, which I kind of mentioned briefly or teased, I think last episode, um, a possible career change um, or some career news. I did decide to take a new position at a new company and, um, Shoot your shot sports. <laughs> yeah. No, this, uh, I have a friend who I know who has started his own company doing like working with schools to do electronics repair, um, some IT services type stuff. So yeah, I'll be starting a job with him in a couple weeks. This week is officially my last week at my current job, which I've enjoyed the job. I, I like a lot of the people I work with. Um, it's just been long hours and I've been there a while and yeah, ready for the next step. And, uh, Yeah. That's what I'm excited about. Nice. Well, that's what he's excited about, but that's what we're frustrated about. <clears throat> well, let me try that again. You know that feeling you get something stuck in your throat? Oh, yes, I do. Well, that's what we're frustrated about today. What about you? Share your frustrations with us or about us at Real FM Podcast and social media or frustrationnation at shootyourshotsports.com or go voice your frustrations and leave us a review. 
And if you're frustrated that this episode is over because you want to hear more, be sure to look for new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday everywhere you can get podcasts and be sure to subscribe. Please also check out our show on Wednesday nights at 8.30 p.m. Central Time, DadBot Central, live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. If you get as frustrated as we do or you just enjoy hearing us gab, consider supporting the show on Patreon for a monthly subscription or Venmo tip jar for one-time donation. Every little bit helps. Even $1, which is only a fraction of what Shane's new salary will be at his new job, <laughs> makes a big difference for us. We appreciate the support. Now get out there and frustrate the hate. I just thought you should know that I'm very hot and bothered. (laughs) Thanks for informing me. Yeah, welcome. All right. It's weird. It's not even like that hot outside, but in my garage it is. Yeah, garages stay hot. Thankfully, I'm in the basement. That helps. I've been tempted to uh, crack the door, like the garage door, like open it up just barely. Yeah. To let air in, but mm-hmm. my biggest concern is like nocturnal animals crawling into my garage while I'm recording. <laughs> That'd make for good content, though, <laughs> especially once we get the video. Oh, crap! There's a, yeah. there's a possum! <laughs> yeah. There's a skunk in my garage right now! Stay very still! <laughs>